Welcome everybody to Environminded. My name is Adam Niederprum. And I'm Margo Piper. Margo is my new co-host, which is making this so much more fun. Environminded is the podcast where we learn more about our environment, uh, not just in nature like we talk about today, but also our greater sociological environment as well. This episode, episode five, we are featuring an interview with a really cool leader. Her name is Thais Perkins. She's the executive director of Tree Folks. It's a nonprofit based here in Austin. They plant trees. They give trees away. Oh, they give trees away. They give them. They give them away. They give them away. Little bitty trees. They give trees away for free, among lots of other things. <laughs> and as you can tell, uh, it's really bringing out our wild side. Yes, exactly, exactly. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about wild. We'll talk about the wildfires in California. <laughs> Just a little bit, a little bit about Smokey the Bear. Without further ado, this is our interview with Tice Perkins from Tree Folks. We are here with Tice Perkins to talk about Tree Folks. Who are they? Uh, there's more than one, so that's cool. <laughs> and what exactly do tree folks do? And about trees, we have some very basic and good questions about trees. I, I think they're good, but but we'll we'll see. I concur. <laughs> uh, so, Tyus, I'm going to start out with a figure: four hundred thirty thousand eight hundred ninety-three trees planted by tree folks, by official tree folks. Is that accurate? And that, how does that happen? That would have been last year alone. Wow. So we've done 2.5 million trees since 1989. Wow. Uh, and that is done by uh, coercion and no, yeah. <laughs> by, no, by volunteers and by us and, uh, and also for some larger uh, wildland restoration work. We do hire contractors to get some of those in the ground. Uh, they range from large to small. Wow. Um, you're killing me with the what do tree folks do? Because I feel like there's a whole new campaign in there. I've never thought to refer to us as the plural. As, the tree folks. Yeah. The what tree does folks? tree folks do is what we've always said. But now, right. like, what do right. tree folks do? It's like it's working <laughs> for me. It makes me feel like a bunch of Keebler elves like yes. it is yeah. in a tree somewhere. Just so as magical. And in a very basic description, is it fair to say you guys plant trees? I think of us as the doers. So in a world where there seems to be a lot of money put into uh you know, long-range planning initiatives and discussion, most of what we do is put a tree in the ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other half of what we do is educate people on how to not let that tree die. And those are the two things we do. We do them uh, in Central Texas uh, generally. So we've got some programs in Austin. About half of our programming is urban. And so we give trees to homeowners. We plant trees in parks with people. We, uh, you know, restore riparian uh, stream sides. That's a word for stream side. <laughs> so we encourage forests to grow back along streams, um, which is a really great high-impact way to get this done. And we have a new initiative uh, along the Blanco River in Hayes County to work with uh, 400 landowners, I think over four years, to restore, again, riparian stream side uh, forests there to help slow future floods and clean the water. 
gosh. Pronounce that awesome. word again for us, that brand new science word we should Riparian. probably know. Riparian. 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 <laughs> Say it with me. Yeah, I need a memory trick. For it's that. just any trees by water. Okay. Riparian. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to use that when I'm tubing, like in the spring, and just Dude, impress people. Dude, it's so riparian. <laughs> That's awesome. So, for people outside of Texas that don't know, two of the of the most significant natural disasters in the last ten years were wildfires in Bastrop, mm-hmm. Bastrop County or city as well, um, where there's historic Lost Pines area, but also flooding during some. It was from torrential rains, really. And well, Memorial this is Day, very right? Texas, right? Go big or go mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know we've got the kind of system. Uh, it, we, we refer to it uh, in, in the science world. We refer to it as flashy, uh, in that the water all comes at once, and when it does, it runs off really, really quickly. Yeah. Uh, on the karstic areas mm-hmm. of central Texas, that's uh, the kind of rocks with big holes in it. Um, is karstic. Uh, all the water goes bam right through the rock, uh, and you can't hold on to it at all or clean it. Um, but in areas where you don't have that, it just runs right off because the soils are really thin. Mm-hmm. Flashy. Yeah. We're a flashy area. So you're flooding or you're burning right. in right. central Texas. And that's why trees are so important. Uh, because trees create an envelope of humidity and cooler air around us. And in a city, this is particularly important, but it's important all over central Texas. And as you start to remove pieces of that forest that surrounds us, at some point you get to a place where they can't provide a uniform area Mm -hmm. of shade and humidity. And uh, the system sort of collapses. And uh, we're not sure what percentage... That is a forested area within a city, uh, but we do know that it's under significant stress from development and drought. And the more you can hold on to that, the more you can hold on to your water. Trees are about water. Mm -hmm. Totally. Wait, so I think I have a cool phrase that I found earlier. Um, Urban heat island effect? Is that what you're discussing right now? It's part of it. It's part part of a a bigger matrix of stuff. But yeah, the urban heat island, um, you know, you put concrete on stuff and you make it black and it gets hot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And then... The heat rises up off of it, and then any rain that is coming your way, it pushes to the side. So if you watch, like, I'm a big radar person because I grew up in Louisiana, and there were hurricanes, and so you're, like, always watching the radar oh, yeah. uh, to see when the big floods, uh, big flo- eventually floods, but mm-hmm. when the rainstorms are coming. But here, you watch the radar, and the rain approaches the city, and you're like, come on, 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 and then it splits, and it goes to either side of the city. And that has something to do with topography, and it has something to do with the urban heat island effect. Wow. So if you are considerably hotter than mm-hmm. the surrounding area, the heat will rise and it will create a push on That's the rain amazing. that you would get. Wow. Yeah. And trees are the single cheapest, best thing you can do to combat the effect. So you guys should wear capes. That's what I'm hearing, you know. <laughs> superheroes. The oh, because they're superheroes. Exactly. Okay, I get it. Oh, I a little it. shout out. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's so wild to think about our area in Central Te- Texas and Austin as as flashy. Because people say we're flashy in like other reasons, and you know, for like South by Southwest or we're weird and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it's cool to think. Yeah, we're funkalicious. for sure. Uh, <laughs> but it's cool to think about a uh, a kind of climatology or forestry word. That were, were like flashy because it makes sense. Flash flooding, you know, things happen in highs and lows. I was so ignorant of, you know, basics of the ecosystem before I moved here from the Northeast and other places that, 
oh yeah, it really makes sense. When the ground is hard, rain doesn't mm -hmm. absorb in the ground and that's why there's floods. So like places that are super dry are prone to floods. Like I just never thought about it that that's deeply. Right. Which and the more deep. you remove the trees, the trees' roots are fantastic <laughs> at holding on to water. Mm -hmm. And the more roots like that that you remove, uh, the less water can be held. So one of the things you'll hear people say in the hill country is um, people have this idea that uh, juniper, what we call cedar, mm -hmm. um, what some people call cedar, uh, but is actually ash juniper. Uh, exactly. is exotic. They think it's exotic. And it's it's sort of overtaking central Texas, right? Mm -hmm. But what it is, is it's native, first of all, but it's also an early colonizer. So when you've got areas that are bare, juniper is a thing that's going to come in and get in there. And so it looks like it's spreading, right? Mm -hmm. But but really, it's just taking hold in areas that have been degraded. Um, but there are people who will remove the juniper from the land. And they said, it's amazing. I removed all the juniper and all of a sudden there's all this water in the creek. It brought the water back. The juniper was taking the water. But really what happened is they removed the ability of the roots to hold the water on the land. And so there is extra water in the creek. It's runoff. Wow. Uh, but as a human, the way it feels is suddenly you've got this nice open savanna and some oaks and you can see through it and you know our sort of prehistoric brains really like being able to see the danger come in and and it's all <laughs> mm -hmm. nice and like there's green you know and there's water in the creek and it feels really good but unfortunately it's actually not the way these systems are supposed to work and if you want to accrue soil and you want to be able to hold water and clean water you have to have the roots in there and juniper mm -hmm. is going to be one of those first things you get and if you are walking on a hike anywhere in the hill country and you're looking across the kind of rocky ground where you're going to see grass and flowers and understory vegetation is going to be under the juniper because the duff is falling and creating soil and that's where they have the area mm. to root in. And then in later successional stages, you know, um, you get extra shade and you get sort of a development. So juniper is, is not our enemy. Believe it or not. Okay. It is, yes, although it feels that way during allergy season. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. You got problems? <laughs> oh, so you many problems. You got problems with juniper or cedar? I didn't know they were the same thing. Look how many things we're learning today. Yeah. Like, it's out of control. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, also that, that term early colonizer, that may be a rough one because we just changed Columbus Day here in town to Indigenous Peoples Day. Is there like a different term we can use? <laughs> To really just make juniper, things. like... That might be a little bit of a tone-deaf science term, but... <laughs> hey, it's okay. We're pretty tone-deaf on, on nearly everything. So. They call it... Yeah, so there's a whole field called disturbance ecology um, that was started, you know, 100 years ago as mm -hmm. a discipline. And mm -hmm. it's like when you have a disturbance, like a fire or a flood, and it creams an area, and it's mm -hmm. like all dirt, right? So what's coming in first? Right. And that's what they call the early colonizing plant sense. species. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That reminds me of like a fact that I read that I have no idea if it's true. I just I think it is, but it's like <laughs> something like thirty-eight miles of U.S. coastline, or maybe continental U.S. coastline is undeveloped. Like that's nothing. Thirty-eight miles out of the whole country, like, and that's I guess ocean side or bay mm -hmm. side or whatever. And it's just found to be kind of like crazy, minuscule. Yeah, like really minuscule. Yeah. Oh my yeah, gosh. About thousands of miles, and I wish I had the figures. I'm gonna be thinking about that at before I am. <laughs> I know. Like, oh no. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I should have. <laughs> but that I went. Sounds I accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but it kind of leads to that. I, I think about that too, because it's like, yeah, I, I would love to own a river home or a lake home or whatever. And if, if there are a bunch of trees in the way, yeah, I would like to 
I can feel yeah. the, that instinct. Feel the need. Feel the, the need, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, I can be aware of that resistance to be like, okay, maybe don't cut Sure, so it's a hard thing to convince people. And mm-hmm. um, so we talk a lot about how to create access points mm-hmm. so people can get down to the waterside, enjoy their property, enjoy yeah. the river, um, you know. But all it is is the, the eventual success of any uh, piece of the environment is entirely dependent upon the person stewarding it. Mm-hmm. So... That's a lot of people to talk to one-on-one, and I think that's really what Tree Folks does best is we talk to people one-on-one, and we provide that educational mm-hmm. opportunity for people to try to, you know, help them steward their land. One of the coolest things that you guys do is give away trees yeah. for free, like mm-hmm. truly give away. And it's not emphasizing your website. It's like, no, this is for, for real. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> Uh, and you have events throughout the year, especially during um, the appropriate planting seasons, where you give out a bunch of trees. Just you just ask that people. Um, it's limited to city of Boston, is that right? Residents of city of Boston, at least uh, for those events. Well, that particular program is okay. limited to the city, mm-hmm. where we're giving away big, noticeable trees. But of mm-hmm. course, all the Hayes County work—that's all free too. They're just smaller. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and you'll that's because it's deli- funded by Austin Energy and funded okay. by the city. So if we could find some streams of funding in other areas outside of town, and we're really invested in this, yeah, um, we would, of course, do it in other municipalities as well. And you'll actually deliver trees to people's houses. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, there are people who cannot make it to a tree giveaway. There are mm-hmm. people who do not drive. Um, there are people who are wheelchair-bound. There are people who... Uh, just don't have the time in their busy schedules because it's two working parent families and they're working on the weekend. So we will show up and bring you a tree mm-hmm. to cool. your doorstep. All you got to do is call. Cool. You know, there's a guy on our board. His name's Vincent DeBrock. And uh, he grew up in Europe. And he was raging on about something the other day. He's full of passion. I, I really like him a lot. And uh, he said, you don't know what you have. He said, you go to London. You go to Paris. You go... Uh, you know, to any large city in Europe, you don't have you don't you don't have trees like this. You don't. They took them out, you know, 200 years ago, and they never put it back. And they're just not there. And the fact that you don't know what you have, that you've got a parking lot and it's built around this tree, you, you don't even know. Freaks out. Um, <laughs> Sounds like the right person to be on the board. Yeah, like, but legitimately, it is a a resource that I think uh, would be missed. If you're just joining us, we are interviewing Thais Perkins, the executive director of Tree Folks, a nonprofit here in Austin that teaches people about trees, plants them, does a lot of tree education. And we are about to learn that Smokey the Bear was actually a little bit of an a-hole. Negatory good buddy. Negatory good buddy? That's like... Good and bad? Oh, I just thought maybe negatory, like, uh, he may not have been the best of the guys. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess, yeah, I thought he was a good guy, but he, but he totally wasn't. All right, let's hear more about... <laughs> Surprised? Smokey the Bear. And, oh my God, why is this escaping me? The bear, the Forest Service bear is named... Smokey. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go with Yogi. Oh. <laughs> wrong. There's a lot of, a lot of yeah, baseball talk. Well, both are right fictitious, now. so you know what I mean. Smokey the Bear told everybody to put out forest fires. Right. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah. But it was a federally funded campaign yeah. to protect timber interests. Mm-hmm. Because wow, timber interests... I didn't know that. ...were worried the forests are going to burn to the ground because they saw the forest fires go, and it wasn't. we didn't know enough about forest ecology then to understand it was necessary. 
that it was gonna happen, it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And so they said, put out all your forest fires. And so we like didn't have a fire for a hundred years. And now we got this huge pile of fuel. And so now when the inevitable match drops or lightning strikes, um, the whole thing goes up and burns to the ground. So how are you gonna balance living up in fire dependent forests with having to burn them all the time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know. And, uh, and we're working on that. But as we grow out into um, wilder areas, you're, you know, you get large, uh, frequently very expensive homes in areas that must burn frequently. Wow. Yeah. That's that's what I thought of. It was California and just like, yeah. oh yeah, well the part of the problem is we're just living mm-hmm. yeah. in the forest that right. should naturally burn if it's going to be a natural ecosystem. The realtor needs a disclaimer every five years, you know, we're going to yeah. burn it You're down. You're going to move out. You like to remodel, actually, don't actually, you? Actually, the house will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if it was every, you know, every five years, it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, they just suppress it for 25 or 30 and then they have mm-hmm. these... Wow. That's really wild to think fires. about because we we kind of like don't have that level of control about a lot of other things in the in in nature. Mm-hmm. Like we can't, you know, keep the hurricane off, you yeah. know, for five years and then expect like a really big one. But it's crazy to think about. I know they're not equivalents, mm-hmm. but that we can manage the forest in such a way that we can almost um, prevent a annual or biannual natural burning or something like that and then it'll be five times as worse because we just we've i don't know put it off we've put well, it I, up or i think you put your finger on it this is you know a potential source of disaster that can be managed fire and flood on some level can be managed if we do it properly mm-hmm. and that's really why our organization is here is to combat climate change by putting trees in the ground and combat floods and fire by educating people on how to manage things mm-hmm. um we're not the only ones who do it forest service does it city does it but uh we do a little different <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh and we're able to i think speak a little differently and reach people a little differently um and we're just helpers we're just gonna you know help those agencies with where they need help and uh and be a resource for people we heard that you are a portrait artist oh. <laughs> as well as the executive director of tree folks and Unless this is your doppelganger, you have two albums on Spotify. I have four. Four? four. Double. You're a singer-songwriter. That's and right. And maybe a guitar player. That's, yeah, definitely a guitar player. Uh, right. So a lot of times people will ask how I got into this line of work, and I am very honest when I explain that after I got my graduate degree in forestry, um, I became a touring singer-songwriter for a few years and lived out of a van, and that, that taught me what I needed to know to run a nonprofit. Oh, because it's donor cultivation, it's living on a tight budget, it's you know tax returns, it's um, marketing, it's branding, it's mm-hmm. just it's all of it's sort of like pointed towards yourself, and that got profoundly uncomfortable after a short period of time. Um, but no, I still I still sometimes perform and play a little. It's not the focus of what I do, but I paint a lot. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, but those but all those skills are translatable. You know what we do as a nonprofit, we're just a few people, mm-hmm. um, and we're living on a shoestring. And our ability to make it day to day depends on how well we message what it is we're doing and donations to the cause. So, mm-hmm. yeah, similar. Did you ever play any gigs in the woods? Oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, just yoga retreats at the tops Ooh, of mountains. Oh, yoga retreats. And, 
corporate retreats on private islands off the coast wow. of Washington. Ah, I want to go. With large yeah. branches of pot were laid in baskets and distributed <laughs> around. And it was a trippy, trippy You're time. You're like, I actually. can only smoke so much of this. You're going to need to pay me. <laughs> um, yoga retreat, that'd be, that's... That's like becoming more and more of a popular gig, I think. Well, yeah, and you this know, was 20 live, years ago. So. Live music <laughs> yoga. So you were way on the... 20 years ago. Yeah. You know they have, you know, goat yoga now, but what if there was tree planting what? yoga? What? Wait, whoa, whoa. Did you, you already talking goat? about this? Uh, we had goat some yoga. goat yoga go down. <gasps> Right. Uh, yeah, to uh, support tree folks. Yes. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And then the other day at the planting at the neighborhoods giveaway, I actually lead them in tree yoga. We do a little tree yoga. But what I've always wanted to see is a tree flash mob, where oh. people were who were dancers like held the trees at like a tree planting that you're gonna plant, and they like do a whole thing out of nowhere with the, it because they're hilarious. Like stick way up above everybody, and they go doing it, doing it, doing it, like while you move them around. <laughs> and I just think it would be so fun. To have a tree flash mob. One of the first things I did when I came on as executive director was a tree bombing. And I know like like yarn bombing. Like in other words, my my thought was middle of the night, like you go and you plant the trees, you wake up in the morning and there's trees where there weren't any trees before. Yeah. Like in toilet paper, but way cooler and reverse. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because like trees instead of paper, which is made from trees. I totally tracked you there. Um, Brainwaves. But you have never seen entertainment like you've seen trying to convince a city department full of people that we were going to plant trees in the dark with shark shovels and that this was going to be fine. So getting back to the music side of things really quickly, I had something (laughs) really strange happen to me today. Uh, Somebody emailed me anonymously uh, calling themselves Mr. Decent, and they said, we know... Let me me just read it for you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, we know you're interviewing the executive director of Tree Folks today. Tell her we need her to buy this new jingle for Tree Folks. So no. we decided. Okay, so okay, they want me to play it. They want me to play it. <laughs> you know, so let's just listen to it. No, let's just listen, listen to, to it, it and it. take it in. We like trees, that's why we're tree folk. Do you like trees? Come be a tree folk. Mesquite, juniper, even live oak. Come and plant some with us tree folks. Did you know that planting trees with tree folks is a totally free volunteer activity unless you have a large group of perhaps over 30, which takes a lot of work? treefolks.org Mr. Decent, I would also like to make a request to Mr. Decent. Um, ringtones. I would Ring- buy, I would purchase that as a ringtone. <laughs> only if the proceeds went to Tree Folks. That's <laughs> genius. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any other questions you had, Margo? Mm, do we want to talk about beavers for a minute? Do we? I always want to talk about beavers <laughs> because my graduate work was in beavers. We... Look that up. And the first thing we thought of is beavers, enemies of trees everywhere. You work for tree folks. What do you got against beavers? Or we did beavers. I love beavers. My entire graduate project was in beavers. And here's the thing. Beavers hold water on the land. You know? Trees are good for beavers. And we want to plant more trees so beavers can eat them so that we can have more beavers. Because... 
they like they, they make little check dams all the way down streams and then when everything dries out in Texas drought then there's some water there for the animals so See? you know that's like big new permaculture idea that yeah. you should build like at high expense check dams down your stream on your property and make it all very uh, beautiful and it's very innovative and it's beavers right <sighs> what we need to do is bring the beavers in and yes. let them go crazy yes. yeah absolutely I, I love beavers that. Okay. I will plant extra trees for the beavers. So when we plant trees, we plant four to everyone. We expect to make it anyway because that's like organic gardening. It's like one for the bugs, one for the drought, um, one for um, bunnies, and then like one for us. One for us. So we'll just throw in another one for the beaver. Problem yeah. solved. Five. No so big deal. So they're not even frenemies with the trees. They're just friends. We're just straight up friends. Straight friends. Yeah. Okay. That wraps up episode five of Environminded. Margot, that was pretty fun. Hey, I had a heck of a time. Uh, we like to review the things we learned mm-hmm. because if we don't repeat them, especially to each other, we'll never we'll never remember them. It's true, just like <laughs> school. But the first thing to remind you <laughs> of that was Thais Perkins from Tree Folks, treefolks.org. Learn more about them, their education programs, and their free tree giveaways at their website. Again, treefolks.org. Oh, yeah, we learned riparian. Riparian. Let's Not say it like that. reptilian, but kind of <laughs> close. You can think like, oh, lizards kind of live in the area near a stream or a creek. So it's the riparian is the area of land near a stream or creek or, or body of water. Juniper is the same as cedar. We learned that. Ding, ding, ding. Big I, surprise. I, uh, up in her. I had no idea. So <laughs> terrible for your allergies, but actually really good for the environment. Juniper or cedar is a early colonizer. Third thing we learned, (laughs) early colonizers aren't all bad, right? (laughs) Uh, Beavers. Beavers are awesome. Beavers are awesome. We learned that. They're great for streams and creeks, and they're kind of like live flood preventers. Uh, We also wanted to mention our jazz musical break in the middle there was from Pit X, a Creative Commons license. You can get a link to that music on our SoundCloud page. This has been an episode of Environminded, a podcast we record live right here at the place we work, Enviromedia, a cause-based agency in Austin, Texas, deep in the heart Heart of of Texas. Texas. Over here on the (laughs) east side of Austin. So you can find podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to learn more about our agency, visit enviromedia.com. And if you're in Austin, come by and see us. Come see me sometime.